finishing well. How many times have we gone into this last day of the year, or perhaps for some people, the last day of their lives, and ask themselves, have I finished well, or am I finishing well? Because most of the time, when we start a ministry, when we start our life, we do our best, right? We are on the go. We are fired up. And we are so eager to do what we want for the Lord and to do our best. But sometimes in the middle of the race, or sometimes almost at the end of the race, we started to be discouraged, be disappointed. And our eagerness, the fire in our hearts, tend to go down. And sometimes we need to fire that up again. And I know that this day is the last day of the year, but we know that tomorrow is a brand new year, a brand new day. And essentially, every day is a brand new day in the eyes of the Lord and in the eyes of God's people. And one of the ways that we want to finish well, especially this year, 2023, is to Go back on what God has done in our life and what we have done for the Lord because of His greatness, His goodness, and His faithfulness. And what I want to talk about this morning is not just about finishing well, but it's about our commitment, our commitment to the Lord. This past year, perhaps starting January 1st, we have committed, or sometimes we use the word resolution. We resolve to do something whether for our physical health or for our spiritual health. Perhaps we said, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to lose weight, and to exercise at least once, twice, or three times a week. Or for your spiritual health, you say, I will start reading the Bible again from cover to cover starting January 1st. But at the end of the year, you make an inventory, an evaluation of your life. I think I have not done that. I have not gone into gym or did some kind of weight loss programs and have not even finished the Bible, reading the Bible. So I want to do it again this coming year, 2024. And what makes it different from the previous year is our commitment. And we will see in Joshua chapter 24 that commitment is very important, especially in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember perhaps more than a hundred years ago when people are committed to one another or businesses are committed to one another, they, their deals could be made with a handshake. Just with a handshake. That seals the deal for them to be committed to one another. Even the time of Abraham and the Lord God himself. When God committed the covenant with his people, Israel, through Abraham, he just offered a sacrifice and divided that sacrifice into two. And God passed through that sacrifice, telling Abraham, even if you do not do your own part of the deal in this covenant, I will do my own part. Nowadays, in order to make commitments, we need to sign legal papers. Remember those legal papers that you need to sign? Probably a large amount of papers that you need to sign back and forth and so on. But even then, even if you sign those so-called documents, people can still go back on their commitments. They can still violate the conditions of their commitments. 
And even marriages right now are being dissolved at a faster rate than ever. People are marrying uh, in, in numerous uh, amounts, but people also divorcing. Even among Christians, they said that the rate of divorce among Christians is about the same as the world's rate of divorce, about 50% or so. So breaking commitments right now are not really the rule of the law or the standard. Uh, now, when you break commitments, they would say it's just something not a big deal. It's something that is very light because for people right now, to break commitments is not a great, at a great cost. It's easy for us to go back on our commitments, especially when we commit to read the Bible from cover to cover. If we commit ourselves to the Lord God to grow, to be more mature in our walk with Him, it's easy to go back in our commitments. And that's why here in Joshua 24, we can see three important things that the, the Word of God pre prescribes to all of us in order to finish well. And of course, before you finish well, you need to start well. And let's go into Joshua 24 as we learn from the, from the Lord God himself how can we finish well this year and start anew for the year 2024. But before we go to that, let us go to the Lord God in prayer. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for... You have been so great, so good, and so faithful to all of us this past year, 2023. But we know, Lord, that as we finish this year, we will move on to another day, another new year, Lord, wherein we can continue to resolve to be committed unto you alone, O oh Lord. Whether that will be in the physical realm or the spiritual realm, Lord, we want to be eager again into serving you all throughout the year 2024. So help us, Lord, through this passage, Lord, in Joshua 24. Help us, Lord, know how we can finish well, not only this year, but also the next year and the years to come, O Lord, until Jesus Christ comes back for a second time. I pray that this passage will sink into our hearts and help us, Lord, to apply the principles that we're going to learn this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our main idea this morning in Joshua 24, to finish well, we must do three things. Okay? It's so easy to remember, three R's. Review, renew, and record. Okay? Review, renew, and record. So in verses 1 to 13, we need to review God's faithfulness. And that's what Joshua did in this thir first 13 verses. So look at verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. So at this point in time, Joshua is nearing 110 years old and he knows that he will be dying soon. And he's going to leave the leadership unto the elders, the officers, and the family leaders of the tribes of Israel, all the 12 tribes. So he called them all, and they presented themselves before God. And this is what Joshua said in verse 2. Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt 
on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abram, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. So he started reviewing God's faithfulness by going back to the first time that God called Abram. Remember, Abram was the father of Israel. And essentially, he was the father of all nations because he became a blessing to all people, not only to the Jewish, but also to the Gentiles. But in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram out of the land of Ur, a land of paganism. Here, Joshua told the people of Israel they were serving other gods and not the true living God. And now he's introducing the fact, the truth, that now as God's people, they are not supposed to be serving other gods. Just as all of us are already redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are not to be serving other gods, but we should only be serving the only God of the Bible. So in verses 2 to 13, we see that Joshua was reviewing all of God's blessings throughout history, the history of Israel. And if, if you take note in verses 2 to 13, the word I appears 17 times. Okay? In just 12 verses, you can see that the word I was mentioned 17 times. And the word I referred to the Lord God himself because it was the Lord God speaking through Joshua. So look at verse 3 here. I took your father, that means the Lord God took your father, Abram, from the other side of the flood. Uh, the flood here refers to the river Jordan. Okay, the other side of the river Jordan, which is the east side, that's the pagan nations. Because uh, Israel right now is on the west side of Jordan. So God led Abram throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So it's just like any one of us going back to the first month of January. And God is telling us, review what happened to you the first month of January. Do you still remember that? Do you remember that God was st still faithful starting January 1st of this year, 2023? And tomorrow, as January 1st comes, he will still be faithful unto you. And that's the point of God telling his people through Joshua. That when Abra God was calling Abram back in Genesis 12 and until now in Joshua chapter 24, God is still faithful. So don't slide back into your old life. Don't go back to the old lifestyle because God has been faithful to you. Now in verse 4, I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. So in essence, Joshua was reviewing the history of Israel. And for all of us, it's very important also to review what God has done, not only for the year 2023, for the past, but also for the past many years of our life, especially starting the moment that we are saved. Do you remember the time when you were saved that God has redeemed you from all your sins, from your slavery into sin? Perhaps that was, that was a year ago, perhaps that was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or perhaps 50 years ago. Always go back to that point in time. We always say, don't look back into your past. 
But there's only one thing that you should be looking back into your past. The time when you were saved. Because that's the point that you will be igniting and firing up again that passion in your heart to serve Him. Remember the time when you were saved. You're so eager to tell people that you are born again, that you get to know this loving God who saved you from all your sins, who forgave you, who redeemed you from the slavery of sins. Do you remember that time? You're so eager. But now after 10 years, 20 years of Christianity, being born again, you lose that fire. You don't want to serve in the church. You don't want to share the good news anymore. Why? What happened? Because you have been going back into the old lifestyle. You have not been into the disciplines that God has given you. And that is Bible reading, listening to the Bible, and listening to the messages, to the preachings, and so on and so forth. And serving Him using your gifts and your abilities that He has endowed you all throughout your life as a Christian. So we need to reignite that fire by going back to the past, how God has been so faithful unto all of us. So in verse 5, Joshua said, I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. Verse 6, I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea. God redeemed his people from the Egyptian slavery. And he caused 10 plagues in order to defeat not only the Egyptian people, but also the Egyptian gods. And that's the point of the 10 plagues. The 10 plagues are representatives of the pagan gods of Egypt. God is telling the Egyptians and also the people of Israel, all these 10 gods of Egypt and more than that, they are not a match. They cannot be compared to the Lord God. Even Isaiah in chapter 40 said, there's no God that you can compare unto me. There's no God unto, unto our God that can be compared. Do you believe that in your heart, that God cannot be compared to any other gods in your life? He is the only God that we should be worshiping. He is the only God who rescued us from his wrath and from his judgment. And then after delivering them from Egypt, the people of Israel came unto the sea, the Red Sea. And you remember that Red Sea experience? In front of the people of Israel was the huge body of water, the Red Sea. At, at their backs would be the Egyptian army. They're at the middle of these two challenges. And sometimes, many of us, if not all of us, are in the midst of these difficulties, two kinds of difficulties, left, right, front, and back. And we don't know how to move. We cannot move forward, we cannot move backward, we cannot move to the left or to the right because all of those are difficulties and challenges in life. So what do we do? Do we trust in ourselves or do we trust in the living God? And that's what God told them in that Red Sea experience. Trust in me. Just be still. I'm doing a great thing in your midst. I'm going to do a great wonder and miracle. And what did God do? He divided the Red Sea. And the people of Israel were able to cross the Red Sea. And that's why we can be able to cross also the difficulties in our life. 
God can part the Red Seas in our life. What do we need to do? Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is God. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Don't be troubled. But be still before God. Pray unto Him. Look unto Him and seek His help and His presence at all times. And what did God do? The Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried out unto the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. What did God do in the Red Sea experience? God delivered them. And God will deliver you also in your Red Sea experience, whatever that may be. You just have to trust in what God can do. The people of Israel, their eyes have seen what, what God has done, what God has done in Egypt. And you are seeing already for the past year, and some of you shared in your testimonies how God has been so great and so good and so faithful in your life. In verse 8, God said, I brought you into the land of the Amorites, that's the land of Canaan, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Everywhere the people of Israel would go, they encounter problems. They encounter enemies. Sounds familiar, right? Wherever we go, we go to the church, we go to the world, we go to our schools, to our workplace, we encounter difficulties. So we should not be surprised anymore. We should not be shocked anymore and wondering, how come these things are happening to me? Remember, as Christians, as God's people, we will experience all kinds of difficulties wherever we are. The important thing is how do we respond? How do we respond when we are in that situation? Do we cry out unto the Lord just like the people of Israel? Or do we just cry in one corner and throw a self-pity party? Cry out unto the Lord. He's listening unto you. Remember the psalmist from Psalm chapter 1 until Psalms 150. You see the psalmist always crying unto the Lord. He encounters all kinds of problems, all kinds of crises in his life. But at the end, he says, I cry out unto the Lord and I praise him and he delivers me from all my troubles. Perhaps God will not deliver you from all your troubles right here, right now in your earthly life. But we know that up there in heaven, all our troubles will be gone. And that's why the Lord God in the word of God in Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, we need to look unto the blessed and glorious appearing of our Savior and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not bad, it's not wrong to expect that to, for Jesus Christ to come back very, very soon. And that should be the cry of our heart right now. Lord Jesus, please come back. Maranatha! Because that's what is important in our life as believers. To seek the presence of our living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 9, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. 
But God said, I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. So on the way to Canaan in the wilderness, this Balak, king of Moab, hated. He wanted them to be cursed by this false prophet, Balaam. Balaam intended to curse Israel three times. But instead of cursing him, he cursing Israel, he blessed Israel three times. God is always on top of the situation in our life. God would always want to bless us and not curse us. Remember that. Even if you disobey him, but I'm not discouraging you to disobey, encouraging you to disobey him, I want you to always obey him and follow his ways. But when, when you disobey him, he still loves you. He will not fail in his love towards you. He will still be faithful unto you. So continue to review his faithfulness. To, to continue to look back into the past on how God has been faithful unto you. Now in verse 11, You went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hevites, and the Jezebishites, and I delivered them into your hand. Wherever Israel goes, they encounter enemies. Now, the nation of Israel is encountering a great enemy. Not only the Hamas, not right now, the Hezbollah uh, group and also the Houthi rebels are fighting against them right now. But again, that promise of the Lord God to his people, I will deliver you out of their hand, still is true. The same with all of us. We might have enemies, physical enemies, spiritual enemies, or other kinds of enemies, but God says, I will deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. And what do we need to do? Keep on trusting in Him. Keep on relying on Him. Keep crying out unto Him. He will not be ignoring you. He will not be fed up. He will not be impatient listening to you because that's what He wants from all of us. He wants for us to cry unto Him at all times. If you want to do it every second of your life, then do it. Continue to review His faithfulness in your life. Now in verse 12, I sent the hornet before you which drave them out before you. Even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do ye it. The land of Canaan was conquered by Israel through the power of God. Most of the time, they did not need to draw out their swords or their bows and arrows. God destroyed the people through his own power. And when they came into Canaan, they already were blessed with much fruit and vegetables and everything that they need for their daily sustenance. And that's why God said, of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do ye eat. It's because of me, your God, that you are able to be provided with all you need. And that's one thing that we need to thank God also. We must remember that everything that we have 
currently and also in the past were all of God's gifts to all of us. We do not possess anything. We are just stewards. We are managers. We just take care and manage whatever God has given us. Because all of these things are God's gift. God has not only given us salvation, but He has given us all kinds of provisions that we need in order to live a godly life. And that's why this coming year, 2024, our focus would be to train ourselves to live a godly life for the glory and praise and honor of our living Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in verses 14 to 24, Joshua reminds us to finish well by renewing our commitment, our commitment to serve God. So in verse 14, apart from reviewing God's faithfulness, he challenges the people of Israel with these three important words. In verse 14, he said, Now therefore, first, fear the Lord. And what does it mean to fear the Lord? To honor Him. To honor Him in, with your life. Whatever you do, whether you're in school, at work, or in, especially in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you honor Him? Do you pay the important respect that He deserves? Or if you are here in the church, uh, your mind is all over the place. You're thinking about New Year Eve celebration. You're thinking about tomorrow or you're thinking about your workplace or anything else. When you are here, especially in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you only focus on the Lord himself. And that's why you are here. You are here not only to be fed, but also to praise him, to serve him, to worship him. And that's how we can show our fear of him, honor him. Sometimes we honor people more than our God. When someone important is in our midst, we do our best to welcome that person. Yes, I know we, we, we don't see Jesus Christ. He's invisible. And that sometimes we neglect him, that he's the most important person right here, right now. And even if we step out of this building, he should still be the first and most important person in our life. And that's why we need to fear him, to give him the right respect, the reverence that he deserves. Secondly, he challenges them to serve him in sincerity and in truth. The word serve here, especially in the Old Testament, would also mean worship. That means to give God what he deserves. And to show God that he deserves the best in our life, that means to, to be of use of him. Use your abilities and gifts that he has given you to serve him through this church. And that's why I challenge you this coming year, 2024, ask the Lord, Lord, you have given me a certain gift or ability, a spiritual gift through the power of the Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do for you this year, 2024, so that I can serve you through RBBC? It's not enough for all of us to just be spectators. Christians are not supposed to be spectators. We are supposed to be participants. We should be team players. And to be team players, we need to be involved in one way or another in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through RBBC. So ask the Lord. And if you have something in your mind 
to introduce as a new ministry in our church, why don't you come to me or one of our deacons and let's talk about it, let's pray about it. We have so many ministries in our minds, but we don't have enough workers. We have many people to reach out to, lost people in the community of Richmond, but we have so few people to preach the good news to these lost people. So in verse 15, uh, verse 14, the third thing that he said, aside from fearing the Lord, serve the Lord, put away the gods. It's important that we do this thing because it's hard to serve the Lord. It's hard to fear Him if we have other gods in our life. As Christians, we cannot be in the middle of God on one side and our gods on the other side. We need to be making a choice. Even Jesus Christ said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon means wealth or money. You cannot serve two gods. You need to choose one only. Because the one that you're going to choose, that will be the one that you're going to serve. So for this end of the year and the coming of the new year, choose your God. Choose your God. Is it the God of the Bible or the God of this world? So now in verse 15, we see here, Joshua says, It if seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God does not force us or compel us to serve him, but he lovingly and willingly wants us to serve him and him alone. So we need to make a choice. And what will be your choice? Is it the right choice which is to serve God or the wrong choice to serve the gods of this world? Of course, we desire to make the right choice. But there will be times throughout the coming year that we will be making wrong choices. But when we make right, wrong choices, we need to ask forgiveness from the Lord and go back to the right choice, which is to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Israel has plenty of gods. Before the land of Canaan, in the land of Egypt, they have thousands of gods. Now in the land of Canaan, they also have pagan gods. But Joshua said, my family and myself, we will only serve the Lord. Most of you here, you have your own family, and I pray that at this end of the year, as we finish this year in a good note, we would make a commitment to the Lord. My family will serve the Lord throughout the year of 2024 and for the rest of our life. Most of the houses right now, some Christian houses, when you visit them, you see this Joshua 24:15, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But how many of those Christian families really make that commitment and put into action the principle or the commitment that they made to serve the Lord with their whole family? Sometimes it's just a poster, 
a picture frame on the wall. It should be carried out into action. And I pray that that will be a reality this coming year. So in verse 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserve us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. They renewed their commitment. Remember, these people, during the time of Joshua, this is the new generation. This is like the Gen Z of our days. So the past generation was gone. Only the new generation was with Joshua. And it's so good to know that this group, new group of people, they made this new commitment unto the Lord that they will serve him because he has been faithful to them for the past many, many years of their lives. But then, it's so surprising in verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is an holy God. He is a holy God. Jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Why would Joshua say that to God's people after they renewed their commitment to the Lord God? Because Joshua, for the past 110 years of his life, had known his people. It doesn't matter what generation is with him right now. He knew that all Israel had been so unfaithful to the Lord God. And he was true. He was right in what he said. That I cannot trust you that you will really serve God. That you will be committing to the Lord God even though you made that commitment right now. Because as we all know, after Joshua, especially in the book of Judges, the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. And what does that mean? That means that they did not follow the commandments of God. They did not follow the ways of God, but they followed their own ways and the ways of the people in the land of Canaan. Very much familiar with all of us, right? All of us are like these people, the people of Israel. Sometimes we laugh at Israel. Sometimes we get angry with them. How come they are so disobedient to God? Do we not take a look at ourselves and evaluate ourselves? We are like Israel also. Just like Israel is a great example of modern-day Christians. We make commitments to the Lord, but then after a day or probably a week or a year, we neglect those commitments. We break our promises to the Lord God himself. We promise God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to start a ministry in order to praise your name in order to reach out to the lost people but then after some time we get discouraged we go back to our own ways and we forget what we have committed unto the lord god and just like what uh, my wife said a while ago especially to the young people remember the days of your youth our young people and especially all of us remember the days of our youth. 
Because whatever we do right now in our body, in our spirit, in our life as Christians, we're going to take into to be account, be accountable before God when we face Him. We're not going to be punished and to be put into hell. We'll still be in heaven, but we will be judged by what we did as Christians in the name of Christ. So we'll be accountable. So it's, tar- it's very important for all of us to renew our commitments to the Lord God himself. Because there's a great cost when we break our commitments. In verse 20, Joshua said, If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, what will happen? Then he, God, will turn and do you hurt. He will discipline you. He will punish you and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. There's a cost. God will discipline us as Christians. As a loving father, he would want us to go back into the right path. His own path, not our own path. And that's why he disciplines us when we slide back into our old ways. But then in verse 21, the people said to Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said unto the Paul, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. You are also witnesses of what God has committed unto you and what you have committed unto the Lord God. It's between you and God when you make a commitment. So it's up to you to follow through with your side of commitment. Because God is always committed to us. He will never fail us. He will be always faithful to all of us. So in verse 23, Joshua said, Therefore put away the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. When you put away the strange gods, you remove all the idols in your life, you need to be steadfast. The word incline here means to cleave, like a glue, to stick to the Lord. That's the only safest way in this world for us to be removed from our idols, to avoid any kind of idol worship in our life, to remain uh, stuck, to to remain glued and um, fastened to our Lord God himself. That's the only way. And the best ways we can do that is to read the Bible, meditate on it, and always live by the word of God in our life. In verse 24, the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice will we obey. So they're all their own witnesses. They all heard each other that they're going to renew their commitment to the Lord. But is it enough to finish well just by reviewing what God has done for us in the past and then renew our commitment? We need to take it a step further. And the third thing that we need to do is to record our commitment. To record our commitment. So in verse 25, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Joshua wrote these words, in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it had heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So he set up a memorial 
For some of us, perhaps, we will set up something like a remembrance, something that will remind us that we have made this commitment. And one of the best ways for us to remind us of our commitment to the Lord for the coming year, just like what Ding said a while ago, ask the Lord for a passage that you would want, that God would want you to live by. For example, uh, Ding said Psalm 89. For, uh, perhaps some of you will be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's why I, I encourage you when you read your Bible, that's the best way that you, re you record your commitment. When you read your Bible, highlight the, that passage that God is telling you. And put a date on that. And that's what I do and my family do also when, when we do our devotional time. Highlight the passage and write the, the date. And then if you want, get a daily journal, a diary. Write the passage in your journal. So that when you go back after some time, you remember, oh, this is what I have committed to the Lord. This is the passage that he told me about to live by all throughout this year. In the world that we live in, we make our commitments or record our commitments through signing, right? Like in the wedding ceremonies, official signing ceremonies, we sign our names on the dot. We don't need to do that also, although we can do that before the Lord if we want to, to, to validate our commitment to the Lord. But it's enough for us to get your Bible. And by the way, don't... Um, don't um, think that if you write on your Bible or record on your Bible, you are messing up your Bible. Because many people, uh, I, I've heard some of them, I don't want to write on my Bibles because the Bible should be unblemished. It should be clean, not be, not be filled with notes. But you know what? The Bible is God's love letter to us. And he wants us to write a love letter back to him. So if you have a Bible, you have your favorite Bible, write on them. Because through that, when you go back after some time, you will see how God has been dealing, especially when you're asking the Lord, Lord, help me through this challenge. Help me through this difficulty. And God will give you a certain passage, a certain verse. Write them down in your diary or write in your Bible. Put the date. Record what God has told you. And when you, when you make a commitment to the Lord, just like, as a church, our commitment to the Lord is to train to be godly. Highlight 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 and put the date, December 31st. God wanted me to train to be godly in all my ways. So in the end, we see here that Joshua led the people to review God's faithfulness, to renew their commitment, and also to record their commitment, to have a memorial if you want your favorite verse be on a picture frame or on a wall or in your fridge, then do it so that you can remember them all throughout the year. So I'll give you three important things to do in order to carry out what we have learned this morning. First and foremost, write down what God has done in your life. Write in your notebook or write in your Bibles what God has done in your life for the past year. Perhaps you can read 1,000 of them or probably 100 of them or just a few of them. Just write them on your, on your Bible. Secondly, 
Once you write down what God has done in your life, pass them on to others. Share them. That's why this morning I, I encourage you to share how God has been great and good and faithful to you. And then thirdly, whatever you have committed to the Lord, honor them and leave the problems that you may encounter. Because as we make commitments to the Lord, we will encounter challenges. We will encounter problems. But leave the problems in God's hands. He will do away with all our problems. Our part is to take into action what we have committed unto the Lord. And before we pray, remember what Joshua 24, 15 tells us, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Is it the Lord God who saved us from our sins? Or is it the gods of this world? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we commit to you, each one of us, O Lord. As we have reviewed your faithfulness to us this past year, we can never think of any moment that you have abandoned us or forsaken us or failed us, especially in showing your love for each one of us. So we are so thankful of you, Lord, for the great work that you have done through us and in us. And Lord, as we renew our commitment to serve you, Lord, you and you alone, this coming year, 2024, help us, Lord, to make a record of our commitments in our Bibles or in our daily journals, O Lord, or wherever we want to put them, Lord, so that we, they can serve as a memorial of our commitment and our promise to serve you as our living and true God. So, Lord, as we finish this year, 2023, help us, Lord, to look forward to the year 2024. And we know that we will still experience and encounter so much of your good blessings, O oh Lord. Help us, Lord, to do our part, to be responsible enough to train to be godly in all our ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us all stand up, please.